Uh, what a beautiful truth that is, uh, God, that you, our Heavenly Father, know us deeply as beloved children. It means we can now gather as brothers and sisters through Christ here this morning. And Lord, may we be aware of the great love that you have for us, which encompasses all. And now as we enter into your word, speak to us, we pray, our God, for you are the God who speaks. May we have ears to hear. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So some of you are here this morning and you know me as a coach and as a dad. By uh, my God's grace, I'm a pastor and uh, one of the the roles that I get to do is to unpack the Word of God for God's people to hear it. And I pray that today as we uh, let God's Word speak to us, that we will be able to hear uh, the Lord's voice in what we do. We have been, as a church, sitting in a series called Secrets from the Mountain. And this series has been talking about what success looks like and the journey that that takes us on. And we've talked about how you climb mountains, set goals, how you live for something greater and bigger, and how you walk through that and deal with some of the challenges, the speed humps which come your way, uh, how to go and do that together. And it's been this unpacking of a bunch of secrets. Now, the secret I want to talk about today is one which we often encounter, but I tell you what, if you don't have it with you through life, life becomes really bland and life becomes uh, like full beige all the time, right? And this quality in particular, I think, is what brings kind of an edge to living. And it's, and it's a secret that we want to uh, talk about. It's also something which can be lost. And today we want to have it be found, recovered for us. Uh, and it's the quality of joy. I'm going to talk a little bit about how this quality speaks to us. In fact, what I've actually encountered and, uh, when it comes to joy is that it is something that we want to have more than just a fleeting experience of. We want to have as a deep-set value in our lives. And so what I'm actually entitled this message is Restore Unto Me the Joy. Because I think it's a, it's a daily experience of choosing to experience and know a joy within our lives. And so as we unpack this, uh, I pray that you'll have a sense of something of the Spirit of God coming and meeting with you. You know, if we don't have joy, we actually struggle to deal with a whole lot of parts of life. Many people are in the pursuit of happiness. But what we understand joy as being is something which sits and undergirds in a deeper and a more fuller way in how we are to live life. And if we just go for happiness, I tell you what, it only gives us a little taste of the fuller experience of what joy can give us. Let me give you an example of that. Yesterday, I did have the opportunity to coach two incredible basketball teams, one after the other, the under-14 boys and then the under-16 girls. Now, I enjoy coaching and I was looking forward to, to last night being a double success. 
100% of celebration. And I thought if we lose one, well, then I'm going to have 50% of celebration, right? Well, just let you know that both our teams lost yesterday in their grand finals. This is the place where you go a collective, oh, because the Heat team lost two grand finals. In fact, we lost three. One, two, three. Oh. And you know what? It was. It was like, oh, no, we, we didn't quite get there. But I tell you what, if happiness is all we're after, you'd be wrecked having lost two in a row. Yes, I was emotionally depleted, but I think life is a lot more than this. We are not about the pursuit of happiness. We're about developing deep joy. And so what I want to talk about is how we discover that and experience it. In contrast to happiness, because happiness is a fleeting feeling. It can be enjoyed for an hour, but stolen in a moment. It can be the goal of a significant project, but then doesn't deliver on its arrival. Happiness can be the driving impulse that contains within the lure of an addiction, but then just empties itself out. But what I do want to do, because happiness is important in our lives, is I want to, us to leapfrog happiness, but as we jump over happiness, to pick it up, carry it with us so that we can then land in the lap of joy. Because happiness is connected in it. But joy is a much fuller picture. You know, life can indeed steal our joy. Life can give us things which take it away from us. I was thinking a little bit about what can steal our joy. Firstly, as believers, we can actually understand that uh, if God wants us to experience the fullness of joy because of the edge that brings us and the purpose that it brings us and the, and the deep sense of contentment that that brings us, that we also have an opposition who want us, wants to steal our joy. The devil can get in and take that away from us and then we're on this search to get it back. You can lose your joy in life. That can happen to anyone. And there's a few things which I, I'm going to list that I think can steal your joy. Firstly is this, comparison. This can steal your joy. You can be going along perfectly contented with your life. I'm all good until someone pops up and looks like they're having a better experience of life. And all of a sudden you're comparing and you're going, heck, I need that so that I can get my fuller experience. And when you were contented, you're now longer, no longer contented. Where you're joy-filled, you're no longer feeling a joy because you're comparing in a way which is totally unhelpful. I think also compounded stress can steal your joy. We've been living in a culture which has been compounding stress upon stress. It's one thing to deal with normal life. It's then when you get a pandemic, uncertainties around restrictions, dealing with you know, all the anxiety which comes with that. It's stress which is compounded. And as humans, if we keep allowing that stress to go stress upon stress upon stress and it gets compounded, it can steal our joy. We just get super serious all the time. Oh man, I can't, it's just too much. Why am I always tired? Well, you know, I'm second guessing myself. It's, and it loses our joy. We lose the simple things. The other thing which can steal our joy is unmanaged complexity. That is when you have this part of your life and it kind of makes sense and then you bring something else in and those two collide and then something else comes in and that's starting to rub against. And all of a sudden, all these aspects is of, are complex and they're impacting one another and you can't see how it all fits. It's unmanaged complexity. 
In fact, some people would say that the spiral into significant mental health issues is because of complexity. It's like you just can't bring it all together anymore. It's all too much. The mind just, and so the way to get back is to find some ways to live more simply. And then, still the joy is conflict. Interpersonal, whatever it is. I think conflict steals joy. It's just like going, oh man, I was doing all right, but now I'm out of sync with someone. Oh, there's something which needs to be addressed. Oh, there's something which is going on. And unless that's resolved, that sits there on your head and it steals your joy. You're going, oh man, I want to be happy and I'm looking for something to make myself happy, but this conflict is so dominant in my life that it's stealing my joy. You know, if you're in conflict with, with God, you go, man, that's just stealing my joy. If you're in conflict with another human being, a family member, you know that it's difficult. It creates the awkwardness. It makes you worry about going into a situation. It steals your joy. You end up getting the fake smile, right? Because the joy is not sitting right. Conflict steals joy. You know, in Galatians 5.25, it says that one of the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the character qualities that come when people are growing in the Spirit of God, is joy. That the fruit of the Spirit working within you is joy. Now, the interesting thing about where that sits in the list of the fruit of the Spirit is it's number two of the top three. The first one is love. Spirit produces love. Then the Spirit produces joy. Then the Spirit produces peace. Tell you what, if you don't have love and you don't have peace, it is really hard to experience joy. You're right? But if you've got love and you've got peace, joy sits in there perfectly happy, right, in that sandwich, just having a great time, like eat on that thing. But it's true, you know. If love's not right, if the peace isn't right, the joy is nowhere to be seen sits there right in the middle. And so these things can steal your joy. And, what, and we lament that because, heck, life is meant to be so much more abundant, full, life-giving, in full colour. And joy is what brings that HD component to it. So how do we steal back that which has been stolen from us and get this joy? Well, there's a few things that we can then start to discover about what we can do in experiencing joy. What can give you joy? Firstly, I think contented living. Lord, I'm good with you. And Lord, I'm good with who I am in you. We just sang that song, who, I, who you say I am. It's affirming our identity. It takes away the comparisons. No, Lord, in light of who you are, you've created me. How good, you did a great job. I'm going to be content in that. Also, a clear mind. All right, you know, all the complexity, I'm sorting it out. A clear mind brings us joy. Celebration brings us joy. You celebrate the wins, you celebrate the moments, you celebrate the people in your life. It brings joy. Children, actually, that's a two edged sword. <laughs> Some moments you're going, oh, it's just joyful. I just have my kids and have this picture of them all just harmoniously hanging around, 
doing your dishes, creating your food, cleaning the house, just delighting in you, telling how, well, it's one sort of joy that they might be able to bring, but then on the other moments, like, they're infuriating, like, oh, my goodness me. But children can bring great joy. A change in attitude can bring great joy. Circumstances are the same, but you go, you know what, I'm going to think about this differently, can bring joy. Community brings joy. What else brings joy? Creating and completing. This whole idea, yes, I can create something, it now exists, it brings me joy. But then that great joy of coming, I've completed something and there it is, it's finished. I can celebrate that, there's a joy. And then also what brings you joy is contributing, actually living beyond yourself for others, passing on a joy, serving in some way. There's this cool story out at the moment, I just read it, and it was about a program which is going on in Queensland at the moment. And the program, or the title of the story was this, Absolute Spirit Lifter, How Four-Year-Olds Are Creating Joy with Seniors. And the program is this, literally preschoolers, they've organised them to hang out with seniors and they are doing things together. The seniors are going, great, we get the best of them and then we hand them back. (laughs) But these kids are learning that they can have an impact, the seniors are feeling valued and it's the joy of contributing and it brings joy, absolute spirit lifters, it says. Well, this is the thing, right? There are many circumstances we can't control. There are many circumstances that can affect us deeply. But then what does it mean for us to grow in a joy as the Bible would unpack it? Because biblical joy would be understood like this. It's choosing to respond to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction because we know that God will use these experiences to accomplish his work in and through our lives. It's actually saying whether it's awesome what's going on or whether it's actually terrible, there is a big picture which is unfolding and I'm going to be a part of those purposes and that's going to give me an inner contentment and I'm going to have a joy which passes all through that because I can see that God has a greater work which is underway. And so this morning I want to talk about how we can restore this kind of joy. Praise be to God if some of you are sitting here and you're going, yep, I'm joyful, It's, it's all complete in me. So you're going, yeah, that might be some areas that you know, I'm going to just work on. Well, I'd say joy comes and is restored in three ways. Quite simply, through our mind, through the spirit, and through the heart. That if these areas allow themselves to experience something deep of the joy of the Lord, it allows us to deal with the external circumstances that are surrounding us. The spirit, the mind, and the heart. Let's talk about the spirit for a moment. There's a character in the Bible by the name of David. David was a guy who experienced incredible success in life. Here's the guy who took out Goliath, quite a moment. He also became a king, quite a moment. But he also had some real downtimes. He was pursued by his enemies. He had some sin which lived itself out with huge consequences. But David was known for a guy who wanted to get in line with the heart of God. He just wanted to be connected deeply to God. And in amongst all the breadth of his life, he pursued God. 
But he also knew what it meant to have a downcast spirit, to know sadness. If you're in Psalm 42, he says this as he's dealing with what's going on within his soul. He says, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. I'm just thirsty for something. And this is why my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He says this, My tears have been my food day and night. That's a troubled soul. Day and night. Emotional before God. And he has this, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. And he actually remembers past success. He says, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. So he remembers this and yet he's in this depression. He says, but my soul is cast down within me. What shall I do? And here in this point, in the next verse, it says this, deep calls to deep. In this moment where he's missing what's going on, he finds that he is calling out to God and looking for the very depths of who he is to connect with the depths of God. This is the beautiful truth, friends, about each one of us. You are endlessly deep. We're not designed to be surface-level people. We have a depth about us, and when you kind of pursue that depth, you find that that depth wants to connect with something which is also endlessly deep. And the only thing which is endlessly deep is the eternal God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who has formed all things. And so that deep calls to deep. And we all know that when we are deeply troubled, when we are looking for the things which are really downcast within us and some solutions to that, to find some joy which breaks through, that the deep is calling to the deep. And this is what David is doing. He's going, the very depths of my soul needs to connect with something which is very much the depth of what is going on in a greater space than just what I see. See, we as people, we don't just exist on this earth. We're connected to a far bigger purpose. And David is searching this out for a way forward. And so what we see is as David does this, he starts connecting. And what we find in David is that his spirit then connects to the spirit of God in a fascinating way. He knows he's not perfect, but he's looking for something which will restore him and restore his joy. And he writes about this in one of the most beautiful psalms ever, Psalm 51. And this psalm says this, Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice again. It says, Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. He actually knows a God who will save him. A holy God, he deserves to be separated from, but Lord, you can turn your face from that so I can be returned. And then he says in verse 10, he says this, Create in me a clean heart, O God. A clean heart. He realises that he can't clean it himself. That something deep needs to happen. And here it says, And renew a right spirit within me. Maybe that's the source of where true joy lies, where there is a right spirit 
made with the spirit of the living God and it's made right. How beautiful is that, that that would be offered? David expresses this and he says, Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Don't remove yourself, God, from me, but be close. And then he says in verse 12, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. See, friends, the way in which he founds joy again is saying, okay, I'm going to be right with you, God. Whatever it is, you know, I know you cover, I'm going to be right with you. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to bring it to you. We're going to talk about it and create in me a clean heart. Make me right. Renew a right spirit within me and remind me again of the joy of your, of my salvation. That time when I realised that I was right with God through the work of Jesus Christ. And the joy which comes with that, the striving which is no longer needed, the salvation work which says, yes, I'm good before God, restoring to me the joy of my salvation. Now, I came to faith when I was a teenager. I remember the moment. I was like, my goodness, I'm not all alone on this earth. There's someone who knows me and loves me. He's going to save this heart which is somehow unclean and it's going to make me clean. It was my salvation. And the beautiful thing is that I remember that, but I also remember the other times where God says, yeah, no, I keep receiving you. You're a child. Keep coming back. And it restores not just the idea of my salvation, but the joy of my salvation. Saved by an almighty God. And then a willing spirit to keep on enjoying that. So you want to restore joy? Then let your spirit connect with the spirit of God and know that. Secondly, it is restored by the mind. Like I said earlier, we can't shape all the circumstances. We can't control everything. We can put ourselves in a a good position and get them kind of tracking well, but not everything. Life surprises us. Life comes and gives us some things which we can't, you know, fully comprehend or make sense of. And yet, we want to choose joy in that moment. We want to choose joy as a focus more than a feeling. In Hebrews chapter 12, this is understood from Jesus' perspective, our great example, the author and perfecter of our faith. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this, let us run with perseverance, the race that is set before us. Each of us has got a race that we are running, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What's very important here is that Jesus showed us how to choose joy even though he knew a tough time was coming, a time of suffering, a time where shame and scorn was going to be his and to go to the cross. Now, you know what? Pain is difficult to deal with. It's particularly difficult to deal with if you don't know what purpose is behind the pain. But you can choose joy even when you can see things are coming, because you know that there's a greater work which is at play, which is what Jesus did as the example for us. He chose joy. He set that before him. Happiness is fleeting, but that kind of joy is one which you choose 
in your mind and let have happen. You know, we want to have moments of happiness to break in and sometimes we freely give them to others. Actually, that happened to me on Friday. I gave someone or a couple of people just happiness. See, what happened is that one of our teams had run their basketball training on Thursday night and had lowered the ring from the 10-foot down to the 8-foot for that level. And then I came in on Friday morning and we wanted to shoot a couple of little videos in preparation for today and we had to raise that 8-foot ring up to the 10-foot height. And to do that, you needed someone with strong shoulders, guns, etc., to get that windy thing up. Okay, so I got the stool out and I got up there and because I was the appropriate person for that. <laughs> and without taking a breath, just, it was, it was powerful. Alicia and Sarah were both in the room. And I wound that basketball backboard up and I thought, great, we had to take our shots, it's all be good and I've been able to have my moment in the sun. As I stepped down off the stool, you know where this is going, right? As I stepped down from the stool, I stepped back, and that stool was about that height. I didn't go over on my tail, but what did happen was that my jeans split <laughs> about that big up my backside. And I did know that Alicia and Sarah were capturing things on video. To this moment, I don't know what's happened to that or whether they got anything. A, I don't want to ask. And B, I'm worried that if I you know, give too much attention to it, it's going to end up in places you don't want it to end up. It's a fleeting moment of happiness for those guys. <laughs> I had to get my head around it in my way. You want to choose joy. We want to have a life which is setting this, even if some embarrassing moments come your way. Choose joy. And thirdly, it comes when the heart is deeply connected to God. You see, we are designed for connection. And the most powerful connections which give us joy is when we understand the divine moments which are breaking in, and we connect them to human experience. And our hearts are designed to connect. To connect, like I said, deep to deep, and then to connect with others. And when we do that in the true essence of community and when we're working through the things which are difficult, when we're celebrating the great things together, when we're trusting and open and vulnerable and authentic, having Jesus at the centre of that, we find a joy comes because something more is unfolding. We have a God who says, my heart for you is full and complete. The scriptures talk about the moments when things which were lost have been found and how that delights the Father's heart and there is great rejoicing in heaven. In fact, the story is told of one father in the Bible who had a couple of boys. The youngest said, hey, I want my inheritance now and I want to get out of here. The father's heart was broken. 
But he gave inheritance. The boy went off, took all that, squandered it, lived in a way which was not honouring of the father, which actually could have in any way justified the father saying, I'm not going to receive you back. Until he gets to a point where there, he realises that those hired hands with his father are living better than how he is. And so in a moment of humility, he comes up with this big script about how he's going to justify his life and then come back begging to his father to at least have a place to sleep and some food to eat. Well, he makes the journey. And his father looks from a distance and sees this boy who was lost, who'd been far from him. And hitching up his garments, makes his bold dash down the pathway. And as his son starts to speak out, oh, I've sinned against you, I've sinned about, the father goes, look, you've returned. Look, you've come back. And this is restoring my heart because you were lost and you've been found. You know what? All that stuff doesn't matter right now. In fact, come back in. I'm gonna, we're going to have a celebration to celebrate your return. And he gathers him in. And there's a great joy which is felt. Friends, there's two things about this. First, it's not necessarily about just the son and his return. It's about the heart of a father for his kids. And spiritually, we have a God who rejoices every time we return to him, regardless of what it is we've carried, good, the bad, the ugly, whatever, when we return. And secondly, we go great joy when we live out the power of community as God has called us to do it, with forgiveness at its heart, of short accounts, of trust, with a love which transforms and which sends us out rather than just protects what is. Our Heavenly Father receives each one of us the gift of salvation and he extends us to live in a way which restores people back to himself and back into community. That is his heart. And I can tell you, whenever that happens, a great joy is experienced. So let's not just be about the fleeting pursuit of happiness, even though we'll get moments of that. Let's carry happiness and leapfrog it into joy and know a joy which comes from our spirit being made right with God, with our minds choosing it even when we need to endure, and our heart which gets warmed every time something is restored and we know that joy. May each of you experience that in some way. Our team is going to lead us in a song and invite you just to sit where you are and allow that to speak to you. Let us be in prayer. Heavenly Father, restore unto us the joy. Where it might be lost, bring it back. We thank you, Lord, for how you receive us. Just as we are. Lord, we thank you that when our spirit connects to you, we remember our salvation, joy is received and known. 
Lord, when our minds choose this, it allows us to endure because we know there's a great cause and purpose to our lives. And you use it for your glory. And Lord, for our hearts, connect us deeply in community, a restorative community where the lost can be found, the unreconciled can be reconciled, the estranged can become friends. Lord, may that bring great joy and delight in our lives. May the fruit of joy be evident because of the love and the peace which surrounds it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.